Hello everyone, my name is Linda Francis and this is a Sound News broadcasting from the Old Mount Studio, Church Street, Portadown. And the production is for the week ending Saturday the 16th of December and it's our last one before Christmas. On behalf of everyone here on the Craig Avon Talking Newspaper team, you're very welcome to this week's programme. The stories making the headlines this week are from the Portadown Times... Town is open and ready. And from the Lurgan Mail, kind and caring man. And we're handing over you now to Gareth, who's going to bring you your first week's story of a kind and caring man. Too many, like Oren Kelly, are in early graves, robbed of their lives through unnecessarily violence, violence that brings not just the end of lives, but the beginning of endless loss and misery for families, friends and communities, the congregation at the 23-year-old's funeral heard. St Peter's Church in Lurgan was packed on Sunday, with a large number of young people in the congregation mourning the tragic death of a very popular young man who was immensely loved by all who knew him. Oran was found murdered on December the 3rd in the Edward Street area of Lurgan. One man appeared before Craigavon Magistrates Court on Friday charged with his murder, while two women appeared before the same court charged with assisting an offender. Another man appeared before the courts charged with murder on Monday, while detectives from the PSNI's major investigation team yesterday, December the 13th, arrested a 30-year-old woman on suspicion of perverting the course of justice. They also carried out a number of searches in the Lurgan area in relation to the murder. On Sunday, Father Colum Wright told the congregation of the anger, overwhelming grief and sadness following Oran's murder, adding that it was a chance for the community to come together against violence. Oran's friend Jessica described a kind and caring friend who lit up a room with his most amazing presence. Father Colum Wright told mourners who come before the altar of God with broken hearts and with total disbelief of what has happened to young Oran. At St Peter's we gather for another funeral of another victim of another episode of violence here in our town of Lurgan. Oran is the third person in Lurgan to be robbed, robbed of their young and valued lives in the last 12 months. Too many like him are in early graves, robbed of their lives through violence, unnecessarily unnecessarily unnecessary violence that brings not just the end of lives, but the beginning of endless loss and misery for families, for friends and for communities. Oren was a young man whose adulthood had, great, had, already, had really just begun. He lost his daddy at a young age and he was the light and he was the love of his family. Just the other night in his beautiful wee home, his mummy, his brother and his two uncles shared many lovely stories about them as a family. About starting off going to school in Tannamore, the whole way through to taking up his new role as a healthcare assistant, which he was supposed to start tomorrow. A whole new chapter in his life robbed. Oran's close friend Jessica paid tribute to him at the end of the Mass. She said, our beautiful Oran. It is so hard to summarise someone as wonderful as Oren, because there are simply not enough words 
to describe what an amazing person he was. The presence of people here today show the impact that Oren had on other people's lives. He was loved immensely by his family and friends, and we will, and we will forever keep on loving him. Town is open and ready. Portadown business hit by the recent floods are open and ready for business amidst a major effort to create an incredibly positive atmosphere in the town centre for Christmas shoppers. The Department for Communities has funded a number of town centre activities and Portadown Chamber said it is delighted to support the event alongside Armagh City, Banbridge and Kirgavon Borough Council. Festive cheer will ring loudly across Portadown Town Centre this Saturday, December 16th and again the following Saturday, December 23rd. Three activities will be spread across the town centre between 11am and 3pm on each of those days, aimed at keeping the Christmas spirit alive for the local community and beyond. Entertainment will include live music as well as arts and crafts and the chance to meet some favourite festive friends. Face painting and balloon modelling will be on offer as well as a chance to make reindeer food with Mrs Claus this Saturday. Portadown Chamber of Commerce Chair Adrian Farrell said, I am delighted to see such an effort put into ensuring that Portadown thrives this Christmas. The town, was an Im- the town was impacted by the recent floods and much work has gone into getting those businesses affected back up and running again. The Chamber welcomes and supports these festive events which will bring an incredibly positive atmosphere into town centre this Christmas. Businesses are open and ready to serve residents and visitors alike. The message is to look no further than Porter Down for some festive fun as you shop for gifts, treats and everything you'll need this Christmas. And now we continue with the Rota Chemist. During the week ahead, urgent prescriptions will be dispensed at the following addresses, starting with Porter Down. On Sunday the 17th of December, the chemist is Cherry Mount Healthcare Limited of Church Street and that's open from 11am to 12 noon. Next week, from Monday the 18th of December, the chemist is Boots UK Limited of West Street, open until 7pm. There is no road to chemist in Portadown after Wednesday. Lurgan residents can collect prescribed medicines on Sunday the 17th of December and the chemist is S.J. McKegney's of North Street, open from 11am to 12 noon. Next week, from Monday the 18th of December, the chemist is Winrose of William Street, open until 7pm. There is no rota chemist in Lurgan on Wednesday and none in either town on Saturday. Sunday opening applies in both towns for public holidays. And now we come to the reports of local crime. The PSNI have a witness appeal following a serious crash. It happened in Craigavon last week, after which three people were taken to hospital. The PSNI said it is investigating the crash on the Tully Galley East Road, which happened on December the 6th, and they appealed for anyone who witnessed this incident or has dashcam footage to please get in touch by contacting 101. A PSNI spokesman said police attended the scene of a road traffic collision involving a car and pedestrians in the Tully Galley Road East area of Craigavon at approximately 8.50 on the morning of Wednesday the 6th of December. In a separate incident, a man was hospitalised after being injured in a single vehicle road traffic collision in Lurgans Avenue Road area on Sunday. The PSNI stated it was reported that a male pedestrian was struck by a vehicle shortly after 1.45am. 
Officers attended alongside colleagues from the Northern Ireland Ambulance Service and the man, aged in his 60s, was taken to hospital for injuries which are not believed to be life-threatening at this time. Anyone with information is asked to contact police on 101. Man who allegedly took photo of PSNI officer given bail. A so-called busybody charged with terrorist offences overtaking a photo of a serving policeman, has been granted bail at the High Court. Sean Patrick Martin also allegedly made social media postings about the officer's address as part of an attempt to gather information about him. The 40-year-old is facing prosecution in connection with the chance encounter at a pharmacy in Lurgan, County Armagh. He was arrested after the incident occurred on July the 6th this year. The court was told Martin. The court was told Martin overheard the policeman provide his address to staff, while they were both in the chemist to pick up prescriptions. The defendant, who knows the policeman, allegedly took a photo of him standing by his car after they left the pharmacy. Although no vehicle registration details were identified, is believed to have been sent to a WhatsApp group of up to fifteen people. According to the prosecution, within minutes of the encounter, Martin posted on his Facebook profile, a police officer was stupid enough to give out their address in front of me. He also sent a message with the policeman's house number to an account in the name of a deceased friend. The Crown lawyer claimed that account, that account could be used to store notes and other information. Martin of Carrigart Manor in Craigavon denies charges of collecting or making a record of information likely to be useful to terrorists and publishing or communicating information about members of the armed forces likely to be useful to terrorists. Bill was opposed amid claims that an examination of his phone revealed a history of searches about IRA weapon on, on related incidents. Ruling on application for the bail, Mr Justice O'Hara said it was an unusual response to the prosecution case. Mr Justice O'Hara said he also acknowledged the defendant has provided passcodes to his phones and that there could be a delay in fully examining these devices. On balance, I am persuaded to grant bail to Martin, the judge confirmed. Imposing an exclusion zone as part of the release terms, Mr Justice O'Hara also ordered that a £2,000 cash surety must be lodged. Suspected drugs seized. Over £22,000 worth of suspected drugs were seized during a series of searches across the Armagh City, Bambridge and Kirgavan area last Thursday. Police conducted a total of 13 searches in an operation targeting those involved in the supply of controlled substances. Inspector Adam Rustin said... During the searches, over £22,000 worth of suspected drugs were seized during the proactive placing operations. Four people were arrested for drug offences, one person was reported to the Public Prosecution Service and one community resolution notice was issued. Man is bully and coward, says judge. A district judge has condemned the actions of a man who called his ex-girlfriend 53 times in the space of an hour while she was in the police station complaining about his harassing behaviour. Brian Kenneth Beggs, aged 40, from Birchdale, Lurgan, appeared in the dock of Craigavon Magistrates Court charged with one account, sorry, one count of harassment. 
Uh, prosecutor told the court that on June the 21st this year, the complainant attended Dungannon Police Station uh, with initially a verbal complaint about the defendant in which she detailed the harassing behaviour and messages the defendant had sent. Also, a recording of the telephone call was recorded between the victim and the defendant where the defendant could clearly be heard threatening to hand over all the victim's uh, contacts to the boys to terrorise her, the prosecutor said. During this time, the defendant was cautioned and interviewed for the offence of harassment. Most of the calls were observed while she was actually at the police station, said the prosecutor, who asked for a restraining order. Beg solicitor Gabriel Ingram, sorry, Ingram said the defendant lives by himself in his own house, which is mortgaged, adding that he is in gainful employment and has worked consistently all his life. He said his client had described being disgusted at his behaviour. Mr Ingram added that Beggs also has custody of two young children and significantly helps in bringing up the children. District Judge Francis Rafferty said, You are both a bully and a coward. Uh, not content with calling this woman 53 times in an hour, what did you think that that was going to achieve? You then proceeded to threaten to give her details to the boys, whoever might whoever might be so they could um, threaten and harass her. What kind of person does that? I wonder. Despicable, disgraceful behaviour, and you have a history of it. You are somebody who obviously has a taste for bullying, threatening and scaring women. The only thing that is keeping you out of jail today is your responsibilities to your children, and it's by the skin of your teeth. Beggs was given a two-year probation order and is banned from contacting the injured party without prior approval of the probation officer. He must not develop any personal relationship with females without first notifying the probation officer, who will take appropriate steps to ensure disclosure is made. He is also ordered to participate in a programme organised by the probation service. He is also subject to a restraining order for two years and is ordered to pay compensation of £500 to the injured party. District Judge Rafferty told the defendant, if you breach any of those requirements, you will go to jail. Simple as that. Police Ombudsman is investigating the death of a man aged 76 in Lurgan Police Station on November the 14th. The Police Ombudsman has appealed for witnesses following the death of this man in police custody in Lurgan. Christopher Blacksell died at the police station shortly after midday on the 14th of November and the Ombudsman office is investigating the circumstances of his death. The office has appealed for witnesses who may have seen an elderly man in the area of Bush Village near Dungannon in the hours leading up to his death on Tuesday the 14th of November. The man had reported feeling unwell and collapsed while being taken from station's custody suite for medical treatment. A spokesman for the office said, as it is normal procedure following a death in custody, police um, informed our investigators who then contacted uh, an independent investigation to examine the course of events leading up to the death. We understand Mr Blacksell may have been in a number of areas around Bush Village outside Dungannon before being arrested on suspicion of breaching a court order. 
We are therefore appealing for witnesses who may have seen an elderly man with a walking stick, wearing blue jeans, a dark jacket and a dark coloured backpack in any of these areas between 7.30am and 8.35am on the 14th of November 23. We would also be interested in speaking to anyone who saw a police car pulling over to the side of the road in the Peatlands area of Dungannon shortly before 9am. Anyone who may be able to help is asked to contact the free phone witness line, which is 0800 032 7880. Killer Whitler given 15 years in prison. Our little boy is left without his father, while I have been left not only widowed but traumatised and lucky to have escaped alive, said the fiancé of murder victim Nathan Gibson after a judge sentenced his killer to 15 years in prison. John Paul Whitla, 44, previously pleaded guilty to the murder of Nathan Gibson almost three years ago, false imprisonment, common assault and entering as a trespasser with intent to commit a sexual offence. At Craigavon Crown Court yesterday, Wednesday, the 13th of December, Whitla was told he will serve a minimum of 15 years in prison. Nathan's fiancé said, Whilst we have been surrounded by words such as justice and closure, the heartbreaking reality remains that Nathan's precious little boy and I find little solace in this. Our little boy is left without his father, while I have been left not only widowed, but traumatised and lucky to have escaped alive. Detective Inspector Hazel Miller said, Whitla covered in blood gained entry to a house in Negahori Court, area of Craigavon. This was on the night of Thursday 13th, 16th of January 2020. Here he told the woman present that he had murdered her fiancé. He then held her captive while threatening to rape and kill her. The woman managed to escape by jumping from an upstairs window, whereupon she raised the alarm with a neighbour. A short time later, police tragically located Nathan Gibson's dead body on a walk way near Lake Road. The young man, who was just 25 years old, had sustained multiple and catastrophic stab wounds to his face and neck in what was a vicious, shocking and sustained attack. Whitla was arrested a short time later on suspicion of murder. Chantelle Gibson, Nathan's sister, said, Today, after almost four long and excruciating years, John Paul Whitla has been sentenced. We, as a family, have also been given a sentence, and for us, it's a lifetime of heartache and pain. No number of years will ever be enough to justify taking a life or bring Nathan back to us. His killer has brought heart-wrenching pain, not only to the family, but to Nathan's friends and the whole community. Nathan's death came as a shock to us all. Never in a million years did we expect to lose him especially in such a brutal way. Detective Inspector Miller continued, This was an absolutely terrifying and traumatic ordeal for Nathan's fiancé, who was threatened and left to feel unsafe in her own home. She and Nathan's family have suffered an unimaginable and heartbreaking loss. Disqualified driver took car to pick up partner. Oh, dear. 
A man who drove to pick up his partner despite being banned from the roads has been handed a four-month prison term suspended for two years. Barry Coleman, aged 30, from Wolf Island's Terence Lurgan, appeared before the Kurgavan Magistrates Court, accused of driving while disqualified and having no insurance. A prosecutor told the court that on August 13th this year, at around 10.45pm, police were on patrol on the M1 motorway westbound between Moira and Lurgan junctions when they had a cause to stop a red Audi 4A. Checks on the vehicle found the defendant was disqualified from driving from February 1, 2023, for a year. The defendant admitted being disqualified during a notebook interview at the roadside and the no insurance charge followed. Coleman's barrister, Kira Annis, told District Judge Francis Kelly that in the pre-sentence report, the probation officer was a bit concerned that the defendant used the family car. There was a knee-jerking reaction on a need to collect his partner. He took a risk and took the car, which he shouldn't have done, the court was told. The district judge sentenced Coleman to four months in prison, suspended for two years for driving while disqualified charge, plus he was disqualified from driving for 12 months. For no insurance, he was fined £400 and disqualified from driving for 12 months, plus the officer's levy. He was given 16 weeks to pay. And this is the final piece from crime for, for this week. A second man accused of Oren Kelly's murder. A Lurgan man has appeared in the dock of Lisbon Magistrates Court on Monday charged with the murder of 23-year-old Oren Kelly. Mr Kelly was found dead beside a burning car in the early morning of December the 3rd this year in the Maple Court area close to Edward Street in Lurgan County, Armagh. In the dock was Shane Hart, aged 31, from Headington House in Lurgan, County Armagh, who faced a single charge of murdering Audrain Kelly on December the 3rd this year. A PSNI detective investigating the murder of Mr Kelly said he was aware of the facts and circumstances of the case and believed he could contact the accused to the offence before the court. Hart's defence solicitor said there was no question for the, de- for the detective there would be no application for bail. A prosecutor told the court that the case against the, the co-accused in this case has been adjourned to Craig Avon Magistrates Court on January the 5th. Last Friday, Gary Damien Scullion, aged 31, from Edward Street in Lurgan, appeared at Craig Avon Magistrates Court, also accused of murdering the 23-year-old nursing assistant on Sunday, December the 3rd. He was remanded in custody until January the 5th. On Thursday, two Lurgan women appeared in court accused of helping to dispose of his body. Andrea Catherine Teresa Stevenson, 43, from Edward Street, and 36-year-old Stephanie McClelland were remanded in custody and are due to appear in court again later this month. Now, just to lighten the atmosphere a little bit, a TV channel challenged people to post their festive gags to X formerly Twitter, and then the anonymous public voted for the 10 funniest Christmas cracker jokes in 2023. Here, see what you think of these. Why isn't Barbie having turkey for Christmas dinner this year? Chicken is enough. Why is Elon Musk's Christmas dinner so awkward? He can't stop talking about his ex. 
Why aren't any schools allowed to put on a nativity play this year? They couldn't find a stable building. Maybe not that funny, but it does lighten the atmosphere. I hope your Christmas crackers contain better good jokes this year. And now it will be moving on to some pictures which the others are going to report for you. And we continue the Christmas theme, bringing you news of the lights switch on, Christmas lights switch on at Mayfair Business Centre in Portadown. There was a great turnout for the Mayfair Business Centre Christmas lights switch on at the Gavahi Road in Portadown, with lots of very happy children and families. And of course, the guest of honour was Santa and the musicians and singers entertaining the crowds. Having a great time at it, we see here uh, the family of uh, the McConville Walker family, Claire McConville Walker, Seanan, aged seven, John Walker and Sean Og, aged 11. Another couple pictured at the event at Mayfair Business Centre Christmas Switch On are Sinead Breen and Anne McConville. And with the young, young lad here waiting to see Santa at the Christmas lights. And that is Brid and Conan O'Hamill, who is 10 months. Christmas fun and crafts at St Mark's Parish Church, where Santa was keeping busy in the tower of St Mark's Church in Portadown. Seen at St Mark's are members of the Murha family pictured at St Mark's Craft Fair. Um, Hannah, Joan, Chris... Ethan, Charlie and Cheryl. Also seen looking happy with Santa in his grotto at St Mark's Church are Sophie Ford, David the Elf, Travis Ford and Julie Burke. Brothers Andrew Left and Adam Walker who were playing Santa's Elves at St Mark's Parish Church Craft Fair and Santa's Grotto were also pictured. And continuing with uh, pictures, we have some pictures here of members of Blairy Young Farmers Group and they welcomed Jurassic Ark encounters to their meeting. And we have a picture of Zoe Maguire, Sarah Spence, uh, Johnny Anderson, and uh, they are um, handling snakes and all kinds of Jurassic Ark-type uh, animals and uh, don't seem to apparently very frightened. And the snake looks rather frightening to me. And now we move on to our local ABC Council News and elected representatives. Groups can apply for TAC 500 Plus funds. Applications for the TAC 500 Pound Plus project are now open and groups can receive up to £1,000 for a project to benefit their area. This participatory budget fund encourages local residents within the ABC borough to apply for funding for a project they think will have a positive impact on their community. This is the third year of the project, so if you have an idea in mind of something that would bring value to your area and support your community, especially in these increasingly difficult times, look no further. Last year, £76,412 was allocated to 81 local community projects. There are four information sessions taking place next week where you can find out all you need to know. I would really encourage communities across the borough to apply for funding through TAC 500 Plus and come along to one of the information sessions and see how you can benefit from this project, commented the Lord Mayor, Alderman Margaret Tinsley. I am a huge advocate of the project and have seen the incredible impact it has made on communities right across the borough. 
I know this year is shaping up to be even bigger and better, so don't miss out on the chance to receive up to £1,000 to benefit your area or residence. Applications can also be made online at www.armabanbridgecraigavon.gov.uk forward slash take 500 plus. This project has been taken forward by the ABC Community Planning Partnership and is funded by partners including the Public Health Agency, Armagh City, Banbridge and Craigavon Borough Council, the Southern Health and Social Care Trust, the Northern Ireland Housing Executive, the PSNI, Triangle Housing and Clan Mill and Arc Housing. The project is also supported by the Community and Voluntary Panel Children and Young People's Strategic Partnership, the Department for Communities and Police and Community Safety Partnership and Sport NI. Council Food Allergene Seminars are success. Food businesses have given a very positive response to the recent series of seminars held by ABC Council to raise awareness of food allergens. Environmental health officers delivered the important series of presentations at venues in Armagh, Craigavon and Bambridge. In total, 181 people from 116 businesses attended the events, held in November. Attendees were given an insight into the procedures needed to identify and manage allergenic ingredients and the need for effective communication about allergens to both the consumers and staff members. Businesses were also advised of their legal requirements and how to manage the risks. Since the introduction of the Food Information Regulations in 2014, there has been a number of incidents and recalls due to the absence of or incomplete, incorrect allergen information. In addition to the presentation, information leaflets were provided at the seminars and a help desk was in place for further queries from businesses. Head Chef John White stressed the importance of the seminars the seminars point to due diligence when it comes to cooking, information on your menus, also training of your chefs and your staff, and just being aware of the allergens that go into your cooking. One attendee said the presentation, which featured a family bereaved through a fatal food allergen re- reaction, had made a strong impression. It really moved me and definitely worked as I was speaking to a few of the businesses afterwards, and they felt the same. Council warning over festive fly-tipping surge. ABC Council hopes everyone has a great Christmas, but one of the unwanted issues during the holiday period across the borough is the incidence of fly-tipping. Those responsible are becoming, are being warned that their actions could increase their part personal finance burden at this already expensive time of the year with Armagh City, Bambridge and Kirkgavan Borough Council ready to issue £400 fixed penalty fines for reports of illegal dumping in an effort to curb fly tipping. To clean up each year, the council is appealing for residents to plan ahead for the excess packing and unwanted items which need to be disposed of. The ABC... Council has said it has a zero tolerance to environmental crime and we will be and we will make every effort to investigate and hold those responsible to account. 
Earlier this year, the council introduced a £400 fixed penalty fine and this should act as a significant deterrent, particularly at this time of year. But our priority is to encourage people to stop dumping rubbish in the first place. We will be keeping people up to date with any changes to their bin collections over the holiday or changes to the opening hours of recycling centres. It is not permitted to leave waste outside the recycling centres when they are closed and residents should note that cameras are in operation at those sites and offenders will be prosecuted. Large items of furniture, white goods, garden equipment, wood, fixtures and fittings act can be collected by the council for a charge of £10 for one lift up to three items and £20 for two lifts up to six items and a maximum of two lifts per year. For more information on the waste collection services, call 03 00 900 900. Current cemetery work underway to address issues. Long-awaited remedial work being undertaken to address drainage issues in Portadown's Kernan Cemetery has been warmly welcomed. Poor ground conditions have caused considerable distress for many years to members of the public trying to visit the graves of loved ones in Section C. Work is now underway to install paths in the area and is expected to last approximately 10 weeks. A spokesperson for ABC Council confirmed that over the Christmas period there will be no restrictions to gravesite for anyone attending uh, services or visiting graves. Path construction in areas where loved ones have been buried will not take place until after the Christmas period. At all times, the installation work will be mindful of the sensitivities of working in the cemetery, the spokesperson said. Public representatives have welcomed the work to address this long-running problem. Uh, Upper Ban MLA Jonathan Buckley said he was relieved that works are finally underway adding that the drainage issues in this part of the cemetery have been documented since 2019. Um, Thanks to those who have worked alongside me to meet with families lobbying the council directors and have this issue raised in the council chamber, namely uh, Councillor Margaret Tinsley, Councillor Lavelle McElrath, Councillor Kyle Moutry and Councillor Stephen Moutry. Uh, Upper Ban MP Carla Lockhart had also welcomed the commencement of the work, saying, For some time I've been working with council cemetery staff and management to resolve the very distressing situation that has occurred in Kernan Cemetery, where many of the paths in Section C were wet, muddy and impassable for those visiting their loved ones' graves. There have been many meetings and much lobbying to have this matter resolved, and I'm pleased the work is now underway. Reusable nappy scheme is welcomed. The Alliance Party councillor Jessica Johnson has welcomed the announcement by the ABC Council that they are to set up a reusable cloth nappy scheme for residents to avail of. She was speaking after the Environmental Services Committee meeting on Tuesday, December the 5th, where it was proposed to go ahead with the project. Councillor Johnson said this would help many people in the council area. The Lagan River representative said, I raised the potential of setting up this scheme earlier this year and I want to thank council officers for their work over the past few months to bring it together. The UK disposes of approximately 3 billion disposable nappies each year, which equates to around 3% of all household waste. 
Encouraging the public to participate in this scheme will not only save parents and guardians money each year, but also simultaneously help contribute to meeting our climate change targets and our need to reduce waste. I look forward to this project coming forward from April 2024. MP vows support for veterans. During a recent sitting of the House of Commons, Upper Band Member of Parliament Carla Lockhart called on the government to address the specific needs of veterans in Northern Ireland. Commenting after the debate, the DUP representative referred to academic research pointing to the trauma endured by many veterans and to the difficulties they faced when seeking help. Mrs Lockhart said, New research from Queen's University Belfast has found that Northern Ireland veterans who are exposed to traumatic events and who experienced increased barriers to care, preventing them from seeking help, are at increased risk of symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder, PDSD, distress. In the House of Commons, I raised this with the Minister, Johnny Mercer, MP. I sought assurance that the needs of veterans who served in Northern Ireland will be supported. The Upper Band Member of Parliament said we have a strong network of veteran support in Northern Ireland, but it is vital that government continue to support this. We cannot see any veteran left alone, left behind or left to suffer. I will continue to champion veterans' needs in Parliament and I will continue to ensure that those who served here are supported. The next section we'll be moving on to is ads. At SDKL's um, there's 20% off menswear apart from shoes, which are 10% off. Imported on, call 028-3833-8786. In Bambridge, call 028-4066-2429. And in Lurgan, call 028-3832-5385. Stairlift Solutions new showroom is now open on Saturdays and that's um, the biggest stairlift and mobility showroom and it's at 141 Quarry Heights, Newton Arch, County Down and the, the te- telephone number is 028-9188-2249 and the website is www.stairliftsolutionsni.com And it's a local family business for 20-plus years. They have a full range of leading brands, stirlifts, scooters, riser recliners, manual and powered wheelchairs, rollators, ramps and more. So free delivery across Northern Ireland. And another ad, uh, if you want a very comfortable bed, then there's 50% off in a sale for the Ultimate Comfort Reclining Beds. There's a free brochure and you can call them on 0800 066 9968. They are called uh, Adjustomatic and they can be found on the website www.adjustomatic-beds.co.uk. And finally, Gosford Carting wish everyone a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. They have Christmas gift vouchers available. That's Gosford Carting. 92 Gosford Road, Market Hill, or you can telephone 028 37 55 
1248 or there's their website gosfordcarting all one word dot com uh, now I have a piece of information here for um, 988 is a new number that recently went live in the UK to help in a mental health crisis this line is dedicated for anyone in need of mental health assistance of any kind and it's suicide awareness call 988 now here's, just to lighten the atmosphere again, three more cr- funniest Christmas cracker jokes. Or maybe you don't think so, but I hope yours are good over this holiday season. What impact will the 20 mile an hour speed limit in Wales have on the charts this year? Chris Ray will be driving home for Easter. You're supposed to laugh at this. I'm trying to encourage the others. Why are the train drivers on the naughty list this year? Because they've already had three strikes. And lastly, and you may be saying thank goodness for that, what's the difference between the Polar Express and HS2? One's a fantasy about a train and the other's a film with Tom Hanks. And hopefully now we will move on to the serious sporting news from the papers this week. And now for this week's sports news. Football coach delighted with top recognition. Coaches at the Football Fun Factory are celebrating after the company earned recognition as one of the top franchise brands in the UK. The children's football coaching franchise has grown fast across the country and has now reached a significant milestone. Among numerous contenders spanning various industries, FFF has ranked 70th in the Elite Franchise Top 100, a title it will hold throughout 2024. Sponsored by HSBC UK since 2017, the EF100 has evolved into a cornerstone of the annual calendar in the UK's franchise arena. It assesses franchisers across a myriad of criteria, spanning the scale and velocity of their growth to their vital contributions in empowering franchises and enhancing the well-being of the communities they serve. FFF was founded in 2017 by James Cutting before he was joined by Johnny Martin in 2019. It is headed by former Manchester United player Luke Chadwick. Children in the Lurgan and Craigavon areas were the first in Northern Ireland to experience the FFF when it was launched in August. The County Armagh-based franchise is led by head coach Ian Hanna, a respected trainer with Lurgan Town FC. Detailing what the recognition means for the brand, Ian said, We're delighted to be named on the Elite Franchise 100. It's so great that someone from our local area, like Kiever McAlinden, has been heavily involved from the start. For my franchise in Lurgan and Crickhaven, it's incredible recognition. It fills me with so much pride to have brought the brand to Northern Ireland. And this recognition on the elite franchise list is wonderful to showcase to parents in the area. And this organisation that provides fun football to their children right on their doorstep, is up there with some of the world's most renowned 
franchise organisations. Kitschoff urges Ulster Revival to reverse losing run. Stephen Kitschoff will lock horns with two of his fellow Springbok World Cup winners as Ulster face a crucial Investec Champions Cup tie against Racing 92 at Kingspan Stadium on Saturday night. Ulster fell to a heavy 37-14 defeat against Bath in their opening European tie on Saturday and have now lost three games in a row after allowing Leeds to slip in the United Champion Rugby ship against Glasgow and Edinburgh. Kitstoff, though, is hoping Ulster can turn their fortunes around against racing at the weekend and return to winning ways in front of their home fans. It was a bit of a wake-up call and I didn't think I'd walk in and we'd just start winning. It doesn't work like that. You have to put in the work, he said. I need to make sure I get myself right before I expect to perform as I should. I haven't been on par yet. Rugby is a weird game and you've got a nice seven-day turnaround before the opportunity to play again. Kitsoff is relishing the challenge of facing his South Africa captain, Saya Koleski, who he sees as a huge threat and famed bomb squad member Trevor Nykian. I watched the racing Harlequin game in really big detail over the weekend. I spent my Sunday night watching the game, he said. Saya is an awesome player, Trevor Nikian has been playing off the bench, but I know he'll be involved this weekend, he added. There are two massive South African ball carriers, brute force players. If Sire has an on day, we'll all have our hands full. I'd love Trevor to start for racing. We have some great history. All the way back, he was playing for the Cheetahs. We came back across each other. He's been an awesome Springbok tight head prop. An awesome Springbok loose head prop as well. He's been playing great rugby. And now a report from football. Smith seeks more. Local manager Dean Smith has targeted more ruthlessness in the final third as the villagers enter the second half of the campaign. The county Armagh side lost 3-2 away at Coleraine on Saturday as Kieran O'Hara, Lee Lynch and Connor McHenry uh, netted for the hosts. Despite equalising through uh, Tiernan Kelly's fine strike from distance in the first half, the visitors failed to create any clear-cut openings, as Benji McGee's stoppage time goal after the break was merely in vain. Smith acknowledged that whilst he was impressed with aspects of his side's performance, he feels they need to make more of their ventures into the uh, opposition area. From our point of view, the first two goals we conceded are completely avoidable. However, I thought at times we played good football and I thought it was a decent game given the conditions. We created chances, openings and final third entries, especially in the first half, without getting a shot or a good cross in, Smith added. That's something we've got to improve on in the second half of the season. Smith further conceded that his side left it too late to complete a rescue mission after David McDade's straight red card for the hosts on 79 minutes, with a score at 3-1 in Coleraine's favour. If the game had another three or four minutes, it would have made it a bit more interesting. 
Uh, we might have got something. To be honest, we are disappointed with our point outcome in the last four or five games. Certainly the performance levels against Glenavon and Dungan and Swifts could have been a whole lot better. And this is our last sporting uh, item uh, this week. Uh, Glen, it's about Glenavon boss Stephen McDonnell, who was near ma- ma- named Manager of the Month for November by the Northern Ireland Football Writers Association. And he has confirmed that Glenavon are on the verge of signing another winger and a centre forward as they look to continue their fine Premiership form. The Lurgan Blues have only lost one of their last seven league games, a 4-1 defeat to reigning champions Larne, and set up a cup semi-final clash against mid-Ulster rivals Portadown, and they've won nine of 16 matches since the 31-year-old Stephen was appointed in late September. He has already added to his squad ahead of the January transfer window with James Duna and David Tour set to join the Mournview Park outfit from next month. With squad depth being an issue identified early on during his Clenavon tenure, McDonnell is close to acquiring another two players with the intention of continuing their charge, which has brought them from the bottom of the table to seventh in recent weeks. McDonnell said, We're extremely happy with what we have from our goalkeeper right through to the centre forwards. It's nice to get these players and have them in training with us so that they're integrated into the group ahead of January and they can hit the ground running. McDonnell also welcomed Jamie McDonough back into his squad for the first time in two months, with the 27-year-old coming off the bench in their midweek cup success against Coleraine. Jamie's loan deal runs out in January, so it's a nice option to have somebody of his calibre back amongst the squad, Stephen added. He's lacking match fitness, so I suppose any role he will play between now and the end of his loan deal will be a substitute. I'm not quite sure yet if the loan will be extended. And for this week's general news now, Public Notice Portal is launched. The local news media sector has launched the Public Notice Portal portal an initiative from the local news media sector to further promote public notices to communities and enhance local democracy by harnessing the sector's massive online audiences. The portal is backed by local publishers in membership of the News Media Association, further strengthening the coverage of public notices across the UK. The site now displays more than 10,000 live notices at any given time with an average of 2,500 notices now being added by local publishers every week. The portal has been developed by the local news media industry, including Reach PLC, which built the website, with £1 million from the Google News initiative. Public notices are surfaced on the main pages of local news websites, further enhancing people's access to and understanding of important information about planning, construction, transport links, roadworks and licensing changes in their local area. The portal is fully searchable by postcode, code, type of notice and in addition to operating as a standalone site, delivers notifications for users who have signed up to receive alerts about particular types of notices or notices relating to a specific geographic area. Media Minister Sir John Whittingdale, MP, said 
newspapers remain a vital source of trusted information about local government decision-making, including through the delivery of public notices. The government has described the portal as a welcomed innovation from the local news media sector and pledged to keep public notices in printed local newspapers. NewsQuest Chief Executive Henry Walker said highly trusted local news media has a crucial, critical role to play in ensuring public notices reach as many people in local communities as possible, ensuring the fullest possible scrutiny of the information they contain. As a sector, we have invested in the public notice portable portal to further enhance and strengthen the role of local news media in promoting public notices by leveraging our large digital audiences. Nurses and midwives' numbers rise. The Department of Health welcomes the continued growth of new nurses and midwives to the Northern Ireland workforce. Around 1,000 nurses and midwives are expected to graduate from Northern Ireland universities over the next six months. This includes more than 700 who will take part in winter graduation ceremonies this week at Queen's University and Ulster University. Having completed their training, they will now be available for employment across the health and social care system. The number of commissions, pre-registration, nursing and midwifery university places in Northern Ireland has almost doubled over the the next decade between 2012 to 2022. The most recent destination statistics for new graduates from both Queen's and Ulster University show the vast majority intend to remain within Northern Ireland and work. Maria McLorm, Chief Nursing Officer, said... Working in the HSC system is an enormously fulfilling career choice, providing a wealth of opportunities, training and professional development. Logic Youth gets funding. Supervalue and Centra, part of Musgrave, Northern Ireland, have awarded their first set of 1K donations through their 40K Big Community Giveaway Fund to community groups across the region. Logic Youth in Moira was one of the recent organisations to be awarded a donation. They are a group centre focused on helping young people reach their full potential. They also host a young leaders course so that young people can develop their leadership skills that will help them in the future. Matt Page, Development Officer at Logic, said the award was very timely. He said, with recent funding cuts affecting us in March... This much-needed support will definitely fuel our exciting programme of events and activities. A sincere and heartfelt thanks to all who nominated Logic, and a special shout-out to SuperValue for their incredible generosity. Desi Derby, Director of Marketing at SuperValue and Centra, said we're delighted that Logic Youth has received one of our 40 uh, big community giveaway donations, which will help them make a real difference in their area. It's just one way that we can help to support and give back in the communities where our stores are located. Customers could nominate a local group or charity until the 8th of December. Applications had to be... uh, Applicants had to demonstrate the difference the group has made in their community, why they deserve the funding and what the donation will be used for. The initiative is sponsored by Ballygowan, Boyne Valley Group, Hartleys, Lucasaid and Walkers and kindly supported by Musgrave's retail partners.
An £800,000 fund is set up to study the rail link and it's welcomed locally. News of an 800k funding to conduct a feasibility study to reinstate the railway line from Portadown to Armagh City has been welcomed by the Ulster Unionist Party. Councillor Evans said a transport hub near Craigavon has also been discussed in recent years and placing a railway stop near Rushmere would connect those from Armagh City to one of the busiest shopping hives within Armagh City and Banbridge and Craigavon Council. She said the proposed railway line would provide vital transportation link for the local community, connecting Armagh City and Portadown with regular and reliable train services, something the residents have fought passionately for in recent years. This study is an important step towards improving connectivity and reducing congestion on Northern Ireland's roads, along with economic benefits including increased tourism, job creation not only for Armagh, but the entire ABC council area. The reinstatement of the railway line from Armagh City to Portadown would represent an exciting opportunity for the local community and the wider Northern Ireland region. Ice Blaze is put out. Firefighters from Lurgan, Armagh, Lisburn and Belfast put out a blaze at a house near Lurgan on Sunday night. The road between the Silverwood Roundabout and the Corner House Bar in Derry Macash was closed for a couple of hours as the emergency services dealt with the fire at the two-storey house in Ballinamoney Heights. A spokesperson for the Fire and Rescue Service said it was called to the fire at 8.02pm on Sunday. One fire plans from Lurgan Fire Station, one from Armagh, one from Lisburn and one aerial appliance from Springfield Fire Station attended the blaze with the Fire Emergency Support Service. The spokesperson said firefighters were called to reports of a fire in a detached two-storey house in Balnamoney Heights, Silverwood, Lurgan. Firefighters entered the property and extinguished the fire. The cause of the fire is accidental and the incident was dealt with by 9.57pm. Yeah. Check presentation. Pictured is E. Macro of Jeff P.H. Law Solicitors presenting a check for £2,676.48 to Southern Area Hospice Services for seeds of donations made to them during the Make a Well month which took place in October. During the five-month, branches from the JPH Law donated their time to write wills, wills for the public in return for a donation to hospice. They would like to thank everyone for their support. Charity hails the response of ABC residents to appeal. A local-based charity has said it is overwhelmed by the response from residents of the ABC borough who have donated old sewing machines and tools. Around 25 sewing machines as well as dozens of work tools and gardening equipment were handed in at local recycling centres in response to an appeal launched by the Council as part of European Week for the Waste Reduction, held in November. Last week, the items were presented to the Tools for Solidarity charity, which equips people in Tanzania to set up their own businesses. John Wood from the charity expressed his delight with the van load of equipment. This is just brilliant, all these machines. Every one of them will end up going out to Tanzania, said John. Tanzania, said John. 
It's a fantastic start and I am super impressed. There are machines here that are about 50 years old and they're all working. So it just means we will only have to take them back to our workshop and do a bit of service work on them. And then we will get them out to the the woman tailors uh, out there to use them. So what else can I say but thank you all so much. Simon Kilpatrick, a recycling supervisor with ABC Council, said he was also hugely impressed with the response. He said it's a tremendous amount of sewing machines and I would like to thank everyone in the area that has donated. Anyone who still has old sewing machines or old tools they no longer need, then bring them along to one of our recycling centres and they will go towards this great cause. For more information on vital work carried out by the Tools for Solidarity, visit their website www.toolsforsolidarity.com. And our last item of general news is about a Mullavilly man who has earned some medals. A para-badminton player from Portadown has told of his delight at winning three medals from his latest tournament played in Scotland. Chris Stewart returned home to County Armagh with three medals from the recent para-badminton championships at Tallcross International Swimming and Leisure Centre in Glasgow. Chris, who has been ranked Irish number one for around a decade, won gold in the men's singles, silver in both the men's doubles and mixed doubles categories in Scotland. The tournament from Friday, November the 24th to Sunday the 26th of November brought together physical disability and learning disability athletes to play in over 30 events. The Mullyville resident explained, I'm delighted to have won the UK Para Badminton singles title to become the number one in the UK rankings. In the singles final, I came up against fellow Ireland teammate Dean McCarthy. He hasn't been playing for long and he did really well to make the final. If he keeps developing, he will be featuring in many finals and winning medals in the future. I'm pleased to have won silver in both the doubles and mixed doubles. Thanks to my partners in both disciplines, Michael Smith from Belfast and Fiona Christie from Scotland. Uh, Chris said, I have known Michael from school days and we've been playing together for a long time. It was Michael who got me involved in the sport over 20 years ago. He had competed in track and field events at both the Paralympic Games in Atlanta in 1996 and in Sydney in 2000 before a wrist injury made him switch to badminton. I had been swimming in my leisure time, but Michael encouraged me to give badminton a go and I took to it straight away. I have also known Fiona for a long time, but was this was the first time we have played together. Overall, the team returned home with five gold medals and five silver medals, a fantastic achievement. The para-badminton player won't be resting far too long on his laurels. Even with Christmas so near, while he is resting, he still has his sights set on his next challenge. He is taking a well-deserved break over the festive period before preparations start ahead of the Spanish International in March 2024. Chris added, I train two or three times a week now, not quite as much as I used to. I do team training at Lisburn Rackets Club, and then train independently at the gym and on the roads. This was my third time at the championships. I've won silver medals in the mixed doubles and singles before, so get gold now was third time lucky. I would like to thank everyone who's supported me, including my colleagues at the Northern Ireland Housing Executive in Craigavon, where I am an admin officer. Work has been really accommodating when it comes to getting time off for big events. 
I'm delighted to have brought gold home and looking forward to participating in events throughout 2024. We have now come to the end of our recording for this week. Our thanks to the team of volunteers who edited and recorded this week and to Mackles for collecting the Portadown Times and Lurgan Mail for us and to the Presbyterian Church for the use of the studio. I would just like to remind everyone th- that there's also a magazine this week. Uh, editing the news this week were Linda Francis and Hazel Semple. Our technician was Peter McGuinness. And reading with me this week were Linda Francis, Katie Clements and Gareth Greer. From the newsroom at the Old Manse, this is Hazel Semple signing off. Thank you for spending time with us and all our good wishes for the week ahead. Our team will be back with you in four weeks' time. Uh, at the, just to remind you as well that uh, there won't be another recording uh, for three weeks. And, um, but our team will be back in four weeks. And um, please remember to return your wallet and memory stick. Please do not use a post office counter in a shop, but use a post box to avoid damage to the wallet. Uh, Sight News is a Craig Avon talking newspaper production. And on behalf of all our volunteers, we would like to wish uh, all you listeners a Merry Christmas and a happy and healthy New Year. Bye for now. Happy, happy Christmas. Hello, it's great to have your company. In a few minutes, Portadown members of Business and Professional Women Northern Ireland, joined by members of Sir Optimus International Portadown, will record our December edition of Sounds Friendly. From the heart of Portadown, with lots of our volunteers in the Old Man Studio, you're listening to Craig Avon Talking Newspaper, a registered charity with over 40 local volunteers who help out each month. And as it's Christmas, we have quite a few people here tonight, so we have... Hi, I'm Jackie. Hi, I'm Ruth. Hello, I'm Edel. Hello, I'm Vivian. Hi, I'm Belinda. And we're going to start off, we'll probably take it in turn to do some reading here, if Vivian sorts her microphone out. <laughs> uh, as it's Christmas, uh, it might be a bit more frivolous than usual, but hey... Well, let's go for it anyway. And John, of course, is here as our technician today. Thank With you, John. No so, I'm <laughs> <laughs> so we'll start. I think Heather's going to start for us. Okay. Um, I'm sure you all have heard about the um, lovely story, um, Night Before Christmas, by Clement Clark Moore. I think we've read it to you maybe numerous times in the past. Um, I did turn think about bringing it as well, but I decided not to this time. But this is an, ac- an, a- an extract from Another Night Before Christmas, which is very similar. And it's by a lady called Carol Ann Duffy. So you'll see how similar it is. It's on the night before Christmas, a child in a house, as the whole family slept, behaved just like a mouse, and crept on soft toes down red carpeted stairs. Her hand held the paw of her favourite bear. The Christmas tree pose with its lights in its arms, newly tinselled and bobbled with glittering charms, flickering and flickers of crimson and green against the dull glass of the mute TV screen. 
The hushed street was in darkness. Snow duveyed the cars. A stray cat embroidered its roof with its paws. An owl on an aerial had planets for eyes. The child at the window stared up at the sky. Where two aeroplanes sped to the east and the west, like a pulled Christmas cracker, the child held her breath and looked for sign up above as the moon shone down like a golden chocolate crown. Coin, sorry, on the town. You can see it's very similar to the night before Christmas. So and there's probably more to it than that, but that's just a wee extract. <coughs> well, I'm going to take give you a little bit of advice, perhaps, about cooking your turkey. Now, this article first appeared in the Sunday Telegraph in 1985, and I know I have definitely read it before, maybe twice, when we've been doing the talking newspaper. But it is so funny, it's worth another read. And the person who wrote it, I don't have their name, said many readers wisely kept it for use every year. The recipe for cooking the perfect Christmas turkey. By now the cutting has become fat splattered or slightly browned and a number of people have asked for it to be reprinted. So the editor agreed last week. With no column to write, she was able to spend a lazy time rushing round wild-eyed into shops, whimpering and rushing out again. So here's the pieces that appeared in 1985. Today I'm giving you my foolproof method of preparing the traditional Christmas turkey. What you will need. Four ounces of butter. We'll have to go metric with that. I'm not sure what that would be. About 100 grams. Uh, One pound of salt. That's a lot. A sheet of silver foil, approximately three metres by eight metres. A larding needle. A box of crackers. A bottle of dry white wine. A chair and one pound of Brazil nuts. Also, as all recipes say, freshly milled black pepper. This last ingredient has often puzzled my readers. How, they ask me, could you still have stalely milled black pepper? But there you go. This betrays a basic misunderstanding of cookery and cookery writing. The word freshly refers to the manner in which you turn the top of the pepper mill. In other words, you must do it freshly, not lethargically, moodily, indolently, casually, etc. You will also require a turkey. Timing is all important. Make sure you have a strict schedule and stick to it religiously. One useful tip here for a 10 to 12 pound turkey, allow 23 minutes longer than the cooking time shown in the recipe book. And for a 12 to 15 pound turkey, allow an extra 37 minutes. Here's the timetable if you're planning to have your Christmas meal at lunchtime. Get up at 5am to put the oven on at gas mark 7 and to chill the wine. Go back to bed. Get up at 6 o'clock to make sure that you didn't dream that you could put the oven on and go back to bed. Put the bird in the oven at 7am after first wrapping it loosely in silver foil. The leftover 6 metres of ripped and shredded silver foil can be used to decorate the Christmas tree or to stuff in drafty cracks in the kitchen window. When you the parcel the bird in foil, make sure to leave a fair-sized hole in it so that other members of the family can peer through it and say it doesn't seem to be doing anything at all. After 30 minutes, take the turkey back out of the oven and remove the giblets that you forgot to take out and put in the stuffing that you'd also forgotten. Turn the oven down to gas mark 3 and have a glass of wine. From now on, it's plain sailing. However, you must remember to take the roasting tin out of the oven from time to time in order to baste your shoes. Put the four ounces of butter on a plate, conveniently close to the stove for treating burns and scalds, 
and have a glass of wine. An hour later, members of the family will start to become impatient. You can check for impatience by timing how often they come into the kitchen offering to help. When the offers come of help come every three minutes, take the box of crackers and a larding needle, carefully remove the novelty from one cracker without damaging the cracker itself. Suggest that the family amuse themselves by pulling the crackers while they wait in the dining room. Allow 35 minutes for crawling around the floor looking for the missing novelty. Now, take the chair. Wipe it with a damp cloth and wedge it under the handle of the kitchen door to keep out intruders. Baste your shoes again and have another glass of wine. At two o'clock you'll hear a sizzling and seething noise. This indicates that the family's impatience has turned to a semi-violent rebellion. Send them some Brazil nuts, but no nutcrackers. Allow 45 minutes for working out how to open nuts without nutcrackers and have a glass of wine. Decide not to bother about the gravy. When you think the turkey ought to be ready, pierce the thickest part of the thigh with a skewer. If you feel no pain, the turkey's cooked. Remove it from the roasting tin, but be prepared for the tidal wave of hot fat which will gush from the open end of the bird. Put your shoes and socks in the dustbin. Finish the wine. Take one pound of salt and scatter it over the floor to avoid skidding and congealing fat. Freshly mill some pepper over it to cheer yourself up. Many cooks I know also like to throw the bread sauce onto the floor at this stage. This can produce a very attractive effect. One word of caution though. Try to avoid stepping on the onion from the sauce as the cloves in it can be quite sharp and can injure your bare feet. Now everything is almost ready at last. All you have to do is put the turkey in a draft-free place to relax while you dash out of the house, tear around the neighbourhood to try and track down the Brussels sprouts which you forgot to buy. So let's hope you have a more successful uh, Christmas dinner and a better way to cook your turkey. Well, that's a way to cook your turkey um, and very good advice. So here are some um, food and drink Christmas facts. According to research carried out by Jarlsberg Cheese, of all things, the strain of cooking the big Christmas dinner sees the average Brit start to sip their first alcoholic drink at 11.48am. I think that was about what Jackie said. (laughs) (laughs) A survey has revealed, on average, British women do not attempt their first Christmas lunch until the age of 34. Nearly half of women polled said they feel a real sense of achievement when finally dishing up the Christmas dinner. And 28% of British men admit that their partner's dinner is better than their mother's. 57 Olympic-sized swimming pools would hold the beer consumed in the UK over Christmas. 230,000 tonnes of food is wasted. 957 calories are in your average Christmas dinner. The average Brit consumes around 7,000 calories on Christmas Day. And you'll reach your recommended daily allowance at 2pm. The UK Brussels sprouts industry is worth £650 million and the area of the country covered by Brussels sprouts fields is the equivalent to 3,240 football pitches. I like this one. In Somerset and parts of Dorset, it's traditional for the last person to finish eating their sprouts to have to do the Christmas Day washing up dressed as a giant turkey. (laughs) (laughs) This tradition is believed to have started in the 1960s as a way of encouraging children to eat the vegetable. 
The total amount spent on Christmas puddings by the UK is £48 million. Christmas pudding was originally a soup made with raisins and wine. In Victorian times, in a reversal of modern UK tradition, turkey was seen as an expensive meat to eat on Christmas Day and goose was often eaten by poorer families. In A Christmas Carol, Rob Cratchit was planning to have goose before Ebenezer Scrooge, Scrooge surprised him with the prize turkey. And 10 million turkeys will be cooked in the UK this Christmas. Um, I'm Jeanette from BPW Answer Optimists. Um, this is just a bit from, uh, I don't know if anybody reads Ray Collins' uh, Good Life newsletter. He often has some very good advice on health issues. So the question in this is, do you turn into a winter hermit? If so, here's a two-part plan to keep fit the easy way over the colder months. I know many people don't like this season with all the cold and darkness, but it does have some benefits. It's lovely to sit in with a mug of hot chocolate in front of a roaring fire and a good book or a Christmas movie. Good, honest comfort eating is back in vogue, especially with the recently arrived colder weather. The problem is that all this food, and Ruth alluded to the number of calories consumed over Christmas, coupled with a decrease in the amount of exercise we take, tends to take its toll on the midriff. During the summer months, we're more active, be it in the garden or long walks with friends or your faithful dog. This level of activity burns the calories. In the winter, I can think of nothing better than curling up with a good book and the warmth of an extra jumper. But as we become less active, we need to think about reducing the amount of fuel we provide our bodies with. If we're not going to burn it, there's no point storing it. Meals like stews and casseroles are great winter warmers, but they just need a slight tweak to provide us with a bit more fibre and roughage and a lot less fat and carbohydrate. As far as meat goes, try eating less red meats and think about replacing them with free-range chicken thighs or turkey meat. The benefit of adding um, dried grains such as pearl barley, brown rice, bulgur wheat to a casserole or stew is to ramp up the fibre levels and provide benefit to the body by introducing slow-release carbohydrates. This improves the way food moves through the gut and prevents our cells from being overwhelmed by a sudden burst of energy which they are unable to use so it gets mopped up and eventually adds to our fat stores. Getting the right amount of exercise when the weather's bad needn't really be a trauma. For a start, the dog still needs a walk. We just have to be a little more sensible about how we prepare for taking a mite. The biggest mistake is to load yourself up with so many jumpers and coats that you end up looking like the Michelin <laughs> Man. By doing this, you will overheat as soon as you start in your walk. The layers of material will trap sweat against the body, which will make you uncomfortable, and when you do cool down, you'll be chilled. So select a good t-shirt, a jumper and a coat. Avoid too many synthetics materials as these are not so good at letting your skin breathe. Don't forget your legs as well. Try a pair of long johns or thick tights under your trousers for the winter months to keep your lower portions warm. More important though is to have a good hat and good socks and boots as these are the body parts that lose much, most heat. Fine wool socks over the top of warm cotton ones will keep your toes warm, especially if you're wearing a good pair of boots. Of course, you don't need to dress like an explorer if you make use of the local swimming pool. 
Swimming's exercise for the entire body. It uses all major muscle groups and really gets the heart pumping for a workout as well. So that's my winter plan. Hope it'll work for you too. Hello, it's Edel here from Portadown Optimists. Um, yesterday I was in the Newry Artisan Market and met this lovely lady who had just written her first book and it was inspired by the loss of her father and she's decided to give up working in finance and take up writing full time. So this was one of the pieces that she had written and it was actually inspired by her father. And it's about loss and I suppose at Christmas time so many of us do experience and feel loss even more. So I just thought this would resonate with many people. And it's called I Am Still With You by Belinda O'Neill. I am still with you even though I can no longer be seen. I am in your heart and soul. I've left a memory everywhere I've been. I am still with you, beside you as daily life goes on. I am always a mere whisper away. I'm ready the second I'm called upon. I am still with you, gently guiding you through. I see every tear you shed, my spirit embracing you. I am still with you, many signs I promise to send. Robins, rainbows, feathers, coins, those signs will never end. I am still with you. Live your life with thanks and love. I will watch over you smiling at peace in the heavens above. Um, hello, I'm Vivian from Sroptimus, Portadown, and I'm going to read you a poem by Benjamin Zephaniah, who sadly died last week. And this is a complete antidote to Jackie's How to Prepare a Christmas Turkey. In his view, they shouldn't be prepared at all. So, so I'll read you this in memory of Benjamin Zephaniah. Talking turkeys. Be nice to you, your turkeys this Christmas. And by the way, he was, uh, his family were from uh, Jamaica, I'll say, and uh, but he was Birmingham born and bred. So that is a mixture of an accent that I am not going to emulate. <laughs> So it'll have to be northeast. Um, so talking turkeys, be nice to your your turkeys this Christmas, because turkeys just want to have fun. Turkeys are cool. Turkeys are wicked, and every turkey has a mum. Be nice to your turkeys this Christmas. Don't eat it. Keep it alive. It could be your mate and not on your plate. Say yo, turkey, I'm on your side. I got lots of friends who are turkeys. All of them fear Christmas time. They want to enjoy it. They say humans destroyed it and humans are out of their mind. Yeah, I got lots of friends who are turkeys. They all have a right to a life. Not to be caged up and genetically made up by any farmer and his wife. Turkeys just want to play reggae. Turkeys just want to hip hop. Can you imagine a nice young turkey saying, I cannot wait for the chop. Turkeys like getting presents. They want to watch Christmas TV. Turkeys have brains and turkeys feel pain in many ways like you and me. I once knew a turkey called Turkey. He said, Benji, explain to me, please, who put the turkey in Christmas and what happens to Christmas trees? I said, I am not too sure, Turkey, but it's nothing to do with Christmas. 
Humans get greedy and waste more than need be, and businessmen make loads of cash. So, be nice to your turkey this Christmas. Invite them indoors for some greens. Let them eat cake and let them partake in a plate of organic grown beans. Be nice to your turkey this Christmas and spare them the cut of the knife. Join Turkeys United and they'll be delighted and you will make new friends for life. Hi, it's Belinda here from Sir, um, Sir Optimus International in Portadine and I'm going to read, it's just a short um, Christmas poem. It's called Christmas Tree by E.E. E. Cummings. Little tree, little silent Christmas tree, you are so little, you're more like a flower. Who found you in the green forest and were you very sorry to come away? See, I will comfort you because you smell so sweetly. I will kiss your cool bark and hug you safe and tight, just as your mother would, only don't be afraid. Look at the spangles that sleep all the year in a dark box, dreaming of being taken out and allowed to shine. The balls, the chains, red and gold, the fluffy threads. Put up your little arms and I'll give them all to you to hold. Every finger shall have its ring and there won't be a single place dark or unhappy. Then when you're quite dressed, you'll stand in the window for everyone to see. And how they'll stare. Oh, but you will be very proud. And my little sister and I will take hands and looking up at our beautiful tree, we'll dance and sing Noel, Noel. Hello, you're back with Heather again. I'm I'm actually a BPW person only, unlike everybody else in the room. Um, This is a... Um, another poem, and in fact, I have two wee poems here. One's a bit longer than the other, and it's Christmas in the Heart, and it's a guy called Paul Lawrence Dunbar, and I'll tell you a wee bit about him at the end. The snow lies deep upon the ground, and winter's brightness all around. Decks bravely out the forest seer with jewels of the brave old year. The coasting crowd upon the hill with some new spirit seems to thrill, and all the temple bells a chime out the glee of Christmas time. In happy homes the brown oak boy vies with the red gemmed holly now, and here and there, like pearls, there, there show the berries of the mistletoe. A sprig upon the chandelier says to the maidens, Come not here. Even the pauper of the earth some kindly gift has cheered to mirth. Within his chamber, dim and cold, there sits a grasping miser old. He has no thought, save one of gain, to grind and gather and grasp and drain. A peal of bells, a merry shout, assails his ear, he gazes out upon a world to him all grey and snores. Why, this is Christmas Day. No, man of ice, for shame, for shame, for Christmas Day is no mere name. No, not for you this ringing cheer, this festal season of the year. And not for you the chime of bells, for holy temple rolls and swells. Day indeed, he has no part who holds not Christmas in his heart. And we bet about Paul Lawrence Dunbar. He was born in 1872 to American parents who had been enslaved and he eventually became one of the first internationally recognised black poets, publishing dozens of poetry books in his short lifetime. He died in 1906 and his poem Christmas in the Heart describes the glee of Christmas time and how it's a season for kindness and cheer not for greed or drear. 
And just a wee, a very short poem by Clement Clark Moore, who um, was the author of The Night Before Christmas. And it's called Old Santa Claus. Old Santa Claus, with much delight, his reindeer drives this frosty night, or chimney pots and tracks of snow to bring his yearly gifts to you. The steady friend of virtuous youth, the friend of duty and of truth, and each Christmas Eve he joys to come where love and peace have made their home. Hi, it's Jackie again here. Uh, I'm both BPW and Sir Optimist, so I'm a busy person, just like some of the others here. <coughs> and anybody who knows or listens to me when I'm doing this, I'm reading out of Ireland's own again, my very favourite thing for talking newspaper. And it's Seasonal Joy in Rural Sligo by Henry Wims. I still cherish the memories of growing up as a child on a farm in Cliffany. As the oldest in a large family, I loved Christmas. For me, it was the most magical time of the year when we were off school and listened to the radio blaring out all the old Christmas favourites. I will always treasure my childhood days when we as a family were all together gearing up for the big day. My memories tail me back over 70 years to the event that heralded the the approach of Christmas for us, walking the bog roads and seeing the red berries and holly bush. My mum would have started preparing for Christmas well before Halloween. Christmas puddings and cakes were made and was considered lucky to make a wish while stirring the pudding mixture. Not sure if this was true, more likely mum needed help with the stirring. There were no electric mixers in those days. At school the lines of the Christmas play were being learned and more time was spent on this than academic subjects. In preparation, the turkey would be hanging upside down from the rafters in the horse stable so the cats and dogs couldn't reach it. Bright red and silver paper decorations adorned the ceiling and windows and to my delight I would be allowed to put the freshly cut holly on top of the wall pictures as well as the few Christmas cards. We always had a Christmas tree decorated with tinsel. Fairy lights were unheard of as electricity hadn't reached our home. No matter how often my school teachers and parents spoke of the nativity, I never ceased to be enthralled by the crib which my mother carefully assembled. It took pride of place in the windowsill in the kitchen. Suddenly, it was Christmas Eve, cold, frosty, with the fields crystal clear and blanketed with snow. Father would sweep the chimney to allow Santa to climb down, whilst reminding us that good children would be rewarded and naughty ones would would miss out. The letters had been written long ago to him in the hope that he would deliver the presents we wanted. Early evening, and it was my job to light the large red candle on each windowsill. This was called the Christmas candle, a beacon to lost souls. They shone brightly and gave the house a warm glow from the outside. Come half eleven, mother and father would mount their bicycles and head off for midnight mass, leaving me in charge to steep the peas and keep an eye on the trifle to ensure it was setting properly. There was no fridge then either. Before leaving, mother would warn me not to keep dipping my grubby little finger in the bowl to taste it every few seconds. In fact, by the time they got home, half the trifle was missing. By now, the younger children were sound asleep in bed waiting for Santa to arrive. Mum would warn us to go to sleep quickly, as Santa was a shy man and quite apt to make a hasty retreat should he discover children were still awake. It was the only night when we would voluntarily go to bed early. By six o'clock in the morning, the house was in complete disarray. Me trying to get a tune out of my mouth organ kindly given to me by Santa for good behaviour all year round. 
Here was a man hard of hearing. The others were popping up in their beds, grappling for for their stockings in the dark. Our wishes were simple, and I never recalled Santa disappointing us. Christmas Day itself was usually peaceful too, with the children being marched down to church and then playing happily with their few toys when they got home. Work in the farm was kept to minimum, although the animals had to be fed and watered. Around two o'clock, Mum would give a loud shout and call us for dinner. Then there was a stampede with all shouting, I want a leg! We were told to shush and eat what we were given. Turkey, flowery spuds, cabbage and turnips. Then the Christmas pudding and what was left of the trifle. After dinner, the rest of the day was spent playing in the woods. Fresh air was the answer to Mum's prayers when we would disappear to give her some peace and quiet. We only had a radio in the house. Television was in the distant future. But despite the lack of these latter-day essentials, time passed all too quickly. Christmas over, we were shattered. But there's always next year. Okay, well, I'm going to bring you some more fun facts about Christmas. Um, And these are sort of based on the traditions and the origins of some of the things that we do or used to do. So hanging stockings comes from a Dutch custom of leaving shoes packed with food for St Nicholas's donkeys. And he would leave small gifts in return. But the tradition of putting tangerines in stockings comes from the 12th century French nuns who left socks full of fruit and nuts and tangerines at the houses of the poor. Boxing Day gets its name from all the money collected in church alms boxes for the poor. The first commercial Christmas card was commissioned by civil servant Sir Henry Cole in London in 1843. Featuring a family drinking wine, one sold for £8,469 in 2014. Robins on cards started as a joke 150 years ago when postmen wore red tunics and were named after them. The Christmas cracker was invented by a London sweet shop owner called Tom Smith in 1847 after spotting French bonbons wrapped in paper with a twist at each end. He sold similar sweets with a love motto inside. He then included a little trinket and a bang. His bangs of expectation included gifts such as jewellery and miniature dolls. By 1900 he was selling 13 million a year. According to tradition you should eat one mince pie on each of the 12 days of Christmas to bring good luck. Good. Thought you'd like that one. But it's technically illegal to eat mince pies on Christmas Day in England. In the 17th century, Oliver Cromwell banned Christmas pudding, mince pies and anything to do with gluttony. And the law has never been rescinded. So, what else will we tell you? Oh, the Yule log. You recognise the Yule log's a nice... Um, chocolatey cake. It used to be an entire tree. It was carefully chosen and brought into the house with great ceremony and burned over the 12 days of Christmas. Traditionally families gathered together in the kitchen in their homes to mix and steam Christmas pudding on Stir Up Sunday. This is one of the traditions that really has stuck through. And Stir Up Sunday is the last Sunday before Advent. Everyone takes a turn to stir the pudding and make a special wish for the year ahead. The word carol actually means dance or song of praise and joy and they used to be sung during all four seasons but the tradition of only singing them at Christmas is the only one that now survives. So, some number facts. 16 presents is the average a child receives in the UK. 6 million rolls of sellotape 
are sold in the UK in the run-up to Christmas. 5.99 million are the number of rolls we can't find the end of the tape. <laughs> 13% of families in the UK always attend church on Christmas Day and 27% sit down to watch the Queen's speech. According to a survey conducted in 2016, 57% of adults in the UK would gladly sacrifice seeing relatives on Christmas Day if it meant they could spend more time on Facebook. (laughs) And according to Madeline, 82% of people surveyed own a Christmas jumper, with 25 to 34-year-olds the most likely to buy one. Over 75% of people buy their festive jumper to wear for a work event, whilst over half wear one on Christmas Day. However... No matter how hard you try, they're just never going to be cool. (laughs) Uh, This is a poem by Robert Frost, and it's called Stopping by Woods on a Snowy Evening. Whose woods are these? I think I know. His house is in the village, though. He will not see me stopping here to watch his woods fill up with snow. My little horse must think it queer to stop without a farmhouse near. Between the woods and frozen lake, the darkest evening of the year. He gives his harness bells a shake to ask if there is some mistake. The only other sounds the sweep of easy wind and downy flake. The woods are lovely, dark and deep, but I have promises to keep. And miles to go before I sleep, and miles to go before I sleep. It's Edel again here, and I've got another poem. And this time it's called Christmas Bells by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play. And wild and sweet, the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And thought how, as the day had come, the belfries of of Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Till ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day. A voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then from each black accursed mouth, the cannon thundered in the south. And with the sound, the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill to men. It was as if an earthquake rent the hearthstones of a continent and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then pealed the bells, more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. Hello, it's Vivian again. Um, I've just seen... Um little article in the sun Uh, it's about dogs and cats being spoilt so dogs will be spoilt this christmas a survey found with owners spending 27 percent more on them than cats moggies will typically get gifts worth 10 10 pounds compared with 25 pounds for hounds with chew toys top of their list many are even lucky enough to get a turkey dinner but 11% of cats and 8% of dogs are on Santa's naughty list this year. <laughs> the John Lewis survey of 2,000 owners also found a 29% rise in searches for matching pyjamas for humans and pets. Mm-hmm. 
Hello, it's um, Belinda back here again, and I'm just going to read a wee article um, about um, basically Mary Berry's tip for Christmas roasties. So, um, Dame Mary Berry has revealed a secret to the perfect de- Christmas Day roast potatoes. Cook them a day in advance. The TV chef said she tries to plan and do as much as possible ahead of December 25th. This includes puddings, such as pavlovas, but also one of the main elements of a festive dinner. Mary 88 said, I do my roast potatoes the day before to almost perfection, and then I re-roast them to crisp them up. I do lots of things ahead, even buy a few pizzas for emergencies and add a few toppings. I shall do all the stuffing ahead, and then I've got a, a small Christmas pudding that I made last year in the freezer i shall thaw and use that so it sounds like she's actually very laid back about christmas which is a bit like myself (laughs) okay um i'm a bit like jackie um my i've always spoke to um ireland's own as well and in fact we've actually both got the same coffee tonight (laughs) and also somebody actually stole my poem i was going talking turkeys as well (laughs) but never mind these things happen Anyway, um, this is um, uh, an article about who wrote the Christmas carols that we love to sing. Uh, And there is something special about Christmas carols. And the word carol, as Ruth just said, is French meaning to dance and sing. And they've been with us for hundreds of years. Indeed, the earliest form of Christmas carol comes from the early 15th century. However, the stories of how they were written are just as entertaining as the song themselves. And the guy called Mervyn Bryson has researched, well he's researched five of them, but he'll probably not do all five. <laughs> I will be here all night. The first one is Silent Night. I'm sure you'll have heard of all of these carols. Silent Night, it was originally um, written as a poem by a guy called Joseph Moore. He was a Catholic um, priest from St. Nicholas Church in Oberndorf in Austria. And he wrote the po- poem in German. You, you'll know, we'll all know it's still, well, I'll probably pronounce this wrongly, but still knocked in 1816. And this was set aside until the winter of 1818 when he asked his friend Joseph Xavier Gruber to write a simple tune to it so that it could be easily sung at Christmas. And the tune was written for a guitar in, a just, in just a few hours and the carol was first sung at Moore's Church on Christmas Eve in 1818. As the guitar was not considered appropriate for a church, It had to be sung after Mass. There are different stories on how this carol was written, and the most favourite is that uh, of a mouse chewing through the organ bellows just before one Christmas and rendering it inoperative. Another is that the river sells back, flooded the church and damaged the instrument. Whichever you prefer, it is clear, more needed some music for the festive uh, occasion and Silent Night was born. Joseph Moore was born in 1792 and died in 1848 and was buried in the grounds of his last ministry in Wagrain in Austria. And a sculptor called Joseph Muhlenbacher went wanted to sculpt the head of Moore and had his skull exhumed. <laughs> it sounds a bit sort of extreme, doesn't it? Um, the sculpture wasn't completed and the skull was never returned. It is interred in a wall at the church in Oberndorf and it is iconic. Ironic that one of the lines he wrote to the car was sleep in heavenly peace. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one is Come All You Faithful. 
It is unusual for Cairns to be associated with famous historic events and connotations with famous historical figures. But this carol breaks the mould and it is said to have co- um, connections to Bonnie Prince Charlie and with the Jacobite Rebellion. Um, the carol can be traced back to John Francis Wade, who was a Jacobite and loyal to Charles Edward Stuart. And Charles E. Stuart, wanting to gain the throne of England, Scotland and Ireland, organised a rebellion. But the uprising ended at Culloden in 1746. He fled to France and John F. Wade joined him. Wade wrote the song in Latin and it was said that it was a rallying call to the continuing fight for the cause of Bonnie Prince Charlie. O come, o come ye to Bethlehem really meant O come ye to England and come and behold them born the king of the angels referred to come and behold him born the king of the, of the English. It was first published in 1760 but some scholars remain to be convinced of this story. Since then, verses have been added, deleted, rewritten and adopted for the Christmas season. And the melody has been attributed to many, including George Frederick Handel. But it is most likely that Wade himself composed the music. As you can see, this carol has been the subject of great debate, both of its lyrics and melody. And many researchers have differing views on its origin. Whatever its history, it remains a firm favourite at carol services. And just do one more. Um, oh, Little Town of Bethlehem. I think it's one of my favourite Christmas carols. It is not every carol can, <coughs> can say that it has been written by personal experience by its author. But oh, Little Town of Bethlehem was an, ex- was an exception. Philip Brooks, who was born in 1835 and died in 1893, was a minister in Philadelphia, USA. In 1865, he visited the Holy Land. And on Christmas Eve, he travelled on horseback from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. Through local knowledge, he located the fields that shepherds traditionally kept their sheep. He explained, before dark, we rode out of the town to the field where they said the shepherds saw the star. It was a fenced piece of ground, and as we rode, the shepherds were still keeping watch over their flocks or leading them home to fold. Later, he attended a service at the Church of the Nativity. He always remembered this this atmospheric visit, but it wasn't until three years later that he wrote the poem. Music is from a folk song called The Ploughboy's Dream. The composer remains unknown. In 1903, Ralph Williams collected the tune from a Mr. Um, Garman and made a new arrangement which we use to this day. His tune is called Far Screen, after the small hamlet in Surrey from where Mr. Garman came. And Brooks was a graduate from the Harvard University, worked for a short time as a teacher and stood six foot four in height. He was adored by the children of his parish and there was a great outpouring of grief when Philip Brooks died. When the mother told her child that he had gone to heaven, the young daughter said, Oh, Mama, how happy the angels will be. Hello. Well, goodbye. It should really be now that we're at the end of the programme. Um, um, it's Heather here, obviously, and obviously I hope you have the best Christmas that you possibly can. A happy Christmas to everybody from Jackie. Hope you enjoyed the recording. We certainly had great fun doing it. Merry Christmas from Ruth. Merry Christmas to everybody and a healthy and happy new year. Um, happy Christmas from Edel. Happy Christmas from Vivian. And Merry Christmas from Belinda. And happy Christmas from John Harkness, your sound producer. And we hope uh, the sound quality will get even better in 2024. All the very best, everybody. Bye. 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 <laughs>